0: Everyone, we're so glad that you've tuned in for this message today. I believe God gave me a word for you and I believe the word of God is going to bring you strength. I believe God's going to bring someone comfort and take someone to a new level. I want you to watch this message that the Lord gave me and at the end, I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray for you. God bless you, enjoy this word. I want to preach this morning. I'm just gonna continue this whole thing that we've been in for some time. It's been a minute since I preached. That's bad for y'all. That's bad for y'all. But no, we're going to go right to the Word this morning. I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit again, but I want to talk about the Spirit of God as it relates to our worship. Our worship. How many know the Spirit of the Lord moves in our worship? And I want us to talk about that today. I want to talk about the river of God and worshiping in the spirit. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, we're in a river today. And tell him, say, continue to worship him in the spirit. Continue to worship him in the spirit. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 21, when you have a say amen. Jesus said to the woman, I'm going to expedite this text today. You know who this is. This is the woman at the well. And there's a whole lot going on here, but what I want to focus on today is the, the subject in the text of worship because Jesus says some profound things about worship here. And I want to read this text to you. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is. Somebody say, now is. Come on, how many know worship is a now thing? The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. Everybody say that with me. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit, in spirit and truth. The river of God worshiping in spirit. Father, thank you for this time in your word. May it be maximized for the glory of God. I pray that we would do more than teach on worship. Lord... I pray hearts would get so full of thanks and praise it would just break out into worship today. In fact, I thank you for starting a worship revolution today. And I pray that people who have watched worship will become worshipers. And I pray that the teaching would be revelatory and would be spirit-breathed and you would touch us as we hear the word of God today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this text this morning is a revolutionary text regarding the subject of worship in the bible i do not like to sound grandiose when i teach or preach the bible and sometimes people gain followers by saying crazy things like you know i i, I got something nobody else has if you follow teachers who tell you they're preaching something nobody else is preaching there's a reason uh, it's marketing and, and, and I don't listen to somebody who has something, ain't nobody else. Pre- I'm going to preach the Bible. It's old, but it's still right. I do not want to sound grandiose, but this text today is revolutionary. It is, it is a pivotal transitional moment in which Jesus inaugurates a new form and a new composition of worship. Now... I want you to understand that when this worship revolution was announced in John chapter four, it had never been heard of like Jesus was about to tell it. Worship up until this moment was a very different kind of thing. It was understood in a very different way. In fact, the only way to understand worship before this announcement here in John chapter 4, the only way to understand worship was to look back Genesis through Malachi and to understand worship as an Old Testament paradigm. And when you look back at the Old Testament to discover what worship was and what do we mean when we say worship, when you look back in the Old Testament, uh, you will find from, from, from Genesis to Malachi that that the Old Testament reveals worship in a very ceremonial, very ritualistic, a very disconnected, almost sort of uh, 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 um, ritualistic way. And, and when you flip through Genesis and you start looking into Exodus and Leviticus, every moment of worship involved blood. It involved Death. In fact, when Moses trotted himself off the ark after having survived 40 days and 40 nights of rain, the first thing he did is build an altar and burnt, the Bible says, animals and birds as a burnt offering before God. And when God smelled it, the Bible said in Genesis chapter 8, when God smelled burning flesh, it was a sweet aroma in his nostrils. Everywhere you look at worship in the Old Testament, something was dying. Something had to die. When you you see God being pleased in the Old Testament, it was was that man who understood his sinfulness would come before God with, with different kinds of animals depending on the kind of offering he wanted to offer, and they would lay the animal on the altar, and there literally was a trench by the altar with the blood of the animal dripped because worship required death so that life could come. In fact, worship in the Old Testament, watch this, worship in the Old Testament is is given to us, it's regulated as to when. If you wanted to know when worship in the Old Testament could be found, you had to find the calendar of Israel because most of their worship that they engaged in followed the calendar of holy days, and so they would go with their families to the temple, bringing their sacrifices with them, and they had a certain set of days in which they offered worship to God. That's the wind. If you want to know where worship could be found, you have to find yourself at the temple in the Old Testament because it was at the temple in the Old Testament where the altar of God were found and the priest of the of the Levite priest or priestly order, they were there making the sacrifices of the animals of the families on the altar at the temple and you were not supposed to worship God outside of the temple worship that the Jewish people had built. The Jewish temple was built so that that they could provide worship to God, and if you wanted to know how they worship, they would take they would take lambs and turtle doves, and they would take bulls and bullocks, and they would they would cut the throat of the animal, and all the the pet people would have a fit with the Old Testament form of worship because animals were dying everywhere. Why? Because sin was in the camp, and the only way to appease the wrath of God was for the the blood of a living thing to be offered, so that God's The wrath of of God could be appeased by the dying of an innocent animal. This is how worship is understood in the Old Testament. And when I start talking about worship like that, people, it's no wonder people uh, don't like the subject of worship because we don't like messy things. And we certainly, if you're a carnal person, you don't like the death of the flesh. And one reason why we offer such shallow worship sometimes is because we do not understand that worship is not meant to be convenient. Worship is not meant to always be easy. That's why the Bible said in Psalm 24, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Worship feels like a climb sometimes. Uh, Not me, Pastor, I come and it's always easy for me to praise God. We're glad for you, but some of us have to command some stuff in us to die so that we lift our hands and bless the one who is worthy. Some of us have to disconnect from our, our weak and we have to disconnect from the mess and we have to focus on the one. Worship can be easy for me sometimes, but sometimes I have to command my soul to worship. And you say, oh, that's not real worship if you don't feel it. It's real worship when you don't feel it, but do it anyway. It's real worship when you feel like giving up, but you throw your hand up and say, like, Joe, naked I came in and naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Real worship isn't about you getting in your favorite song and getting in your favorite groove. I'm thankful for all that, and that is worship. But I want to tell you the worship that moves the heart of God is the stuff that cost you something. That's why when David started talking about worship, he said, I will not offer anything to God that didn't cost me something. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We want to offer God what is convenient and we want him to give us what is supernatural. But sometimes God is waiting on us to give him not what is easy, not what is left over, but what is precious and what costs us something. This is real worship. And when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Covenant, In John chapter 4, he starts a worship revolution with this text. He says, the hour is coming and now is, now is. The hour is coming and now is. Have you ever thought about that? How is something coming and yet now? The hour is coming and now is. And I believe what Jesus is saying is it's happening now and it's going to be in the future. It's the order of the moment and it is the order of eternity. There will never be a moment from now to the end of time where worship is not what's next. The hour is coming and now is. Look at somebody tell them now is. But it's not just now, the hour is coming. There'll never be an hour coming that it is not the hour to worship. Uh, but pastor it's going to get worse before it gets better the world may get worse but the worshipers are going to get closer to God I wish I had a witness in the church today look at your neighbor tell them now and the hour coming see there'll never be a moment I don't care who's president I don't care what party is in control I don't care what happens to gasoline prices I don't care what happens to inflation there will never be a moment when the hour is not coming in which we all ought to be worshiping God the hell may break loose and everybody may go crazy but the hour is coming when worshipers will worship him in sp- look at somebody telling him I plan on worshiping him When will it be right to worship him? It will be right when we're standing at the throne. It will be right when we're standing before the Lord in eternity, but it will be right next Sunday morning if he tarries. When we get to this house, the hour is coming, and now is when we will worship him in spirit and truth. But he doesn't just revolutionize worship by talking about when. He revolutionizes worship when he says, you worship on that mountain. Jews worship on this mountain, but the hour's coming where you will not worship on that mountain or this mountain. You will worship wherever you decide to worship. Lord, I better quit it because I feel something happening right here. There are some people in this room who do not worship till they get to church, but there are other people in this room who cannot help but worship when they leave church because worship is not what I do for you or in front of you. In fact, whatever you see me doing here on Sunday, it's an overflow of where I've been all week long. I didn't come here to start worship. I came here to continue a worship service that has already been in progress. Jesus said you don't have to worry about running to that mountain you don't have to worry about running to that mountain you can run to worship in your car anybody know what I'm talking about it's dangerous but it feels good you can run to worship while you're at Walmart you can run to worship while you're at school walking through the hallway at your locker you can worship God in a doctor's office when he looks at you and said you don't have a good report you don't have to wait for Tobin and Jojo to tell you to worship. You can, you are a mobile move of God. I don't have to get on a plane and go find a move of God. There is a river already flowing on the inside of you and I. And if I understand the power of God, oh, Jesus, I feel you. you can worship him anywhere you want to worship him. Stop letting religious people tell you that you turn on your worship on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and you turn it off on Sunday at noon. That's why this crazy world keeps getting crazier. We got the answer. We got the oil. We got the anointing. I came to tell you, let it flow. <laughs> he revolutionized his worship. He said, you can worship him, wor- worship him whenever. You can worship him wherever. And in the Old Testament, they worshiped him in ceremony and ritual. In the New Testament, he says, I'm going to revolutionize this concept of worship. I want you to be people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, if you look at that text, some of your translations will capitalize the word spirit and some of them leave it small case. And the question is, throughout the ages has always been, is he speaking of the Holy Spirit or is he speaking of man's spirit? Dr. French Arrington, a dear friend of mine, has always said this, it's impossible in the Greek to differentiate between the two. If someone asks me, is he speaking about the Holy Spirit or the human spirit, my answer is yes. Which one? Yes. He's speaking about both because they are inextricably the same. What I mean by that? You can't worship in your spirit if you're saved without at some point touching the Holy Ghost. And you can't worship, say you're worshiping in the Holy Spirit if you're in your flesh. I lost some people right there. When Jesus started this worship revolution, he said, you can worship anywhere at any time, but there is one prerequisite for your worship. It must be done in spirit and in truth. Now, what I have found as a pastor is that people migrate to one or the other. Some people like worshiping in the spirit, and they think Scripture is an enemy of spiritual worship. Scripture is never an enemy of spiritual worship. It is an enemy of carnal worship. I found some stuff this week, y'all. When you get into the Bible, the Bible provides an understanding for you and I to operate in when we come to worship. Everybody say Worship. Now let me break down two kinds of worship that you and I need to be aware of. Number one, it is what I would call individual worship and the other is what I would call corporate worship. Everyone say individual worship. Everyone say corporate worship. Individual worship is how I worship God when I'm by myself. What I do when nobody's looking. Corporate worship is who I am when I come to church and worship on Sunday with you there ought not be a disconnect between who I am in front of you and who I am in front of God when y'all ain't looking I'm not gonna get no help if you cuss people out Monday through Friday and then on Sunday you are not worshiping in spirit or truth You and I have got to understand, God values what's going on internally much more than he does what's happening externally. I need to find some witnesses in here when I say that kind of thing. I'm not saying you gotta have all your ducks in a row and you gotta have all your mess handled when you come to church. How many come to church and need a place in the service to get your heart right? (laughs) Like today. (laughs) But what I am saying is, if you're going worship in spirit and in truth, you can't dance on top of stuff you ain't repented over. And you can't act hypocritical and give God a shout of praise to make your neighbor think you're all right. When on the inside, you ain't laid the mess down on the altar that you've been carrying with you all week. God said, keep your hallelujah if you're not going to repent of your nasty attitude. He started a worship revolution because in the Old Testament, all it took was a priest to throw an animal upon the altar, and everybody said, Oh, we're worshiping God. And God said, That's the problem. You think that worship is sealed by the outward sign, but worship is sealed by the circumcised heart. And there are people, listen to me very carefully, I'm trying to preach and teach in a way to bring understanding and revelation. There is a reason why some people don't worship God when we worship God on Sunday. It has nothing to do with they don't like our style. It has to do with the fact that their heart hadn't been circumcised. And I don't have time to go into circumcision, but let me suffice it to say this. It is the spiritual sign. It is the, it, see, where circumcision meant two things. Number one, it was the outward sign that you belong to God in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it wasn't a circumcised body. It was a circumcised heart that God was looking for. Because God's not just looking for an outward sign of circumcision. He's looking for people who have cut the flesh from the spirit. Come on here. And they walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. And when you get in that place where you're not walking by the dictate of the flesh, but you're walking according to the cadence of the Holy Ghost, then that's when we really get to walk in this thing called the spirit. And Jesus starts a revolution by saying you can worship anywhere at any time, but I want to make sure you understand that you worship in spirit and in truth. So we got people who say, oh, I want to worship in the spirit. And we got other people who say, I want to worship in truth. <laughs> and so we have, we have charismatic worship and liturgical worship. y'all don't like this. Those conversations have bred discussions like contemporary worship and traditional worship. And so we come to church and we, listen, we literally categorize churches based on the kind of songs they sing. I'm going somewhere today I had never been before. You cannot be so shallow spiritually, that you choose whether or not you will enter a moment of worship based on whether or not you like a song and the way it's being sung. Because what you're telling me is you are more, you are more um, caught up in style than you are in substance. Because, listen to me, while I believe Music is a very important part of worship. I'm getting ready to show you that what we sing while we worship and what we say in our worship is really what is important about our worship other than the fact of what I just preached and that is the posture of your heart. Now, if our heart is pure and and if we are walking in the light, John would call it as he is in the light, if we have fellowship with God and there isn't This repetitious, habitual sin in our life, and yes, I said repetitious, habitual sin, because if you are walking in repetitious, habitual sin, then you need to come to an altar today and repent and get your heart right. You say, well, Brother Wallace, grace covers it all. Grace is not a license for me to act like a fool and keep saying, I'm all right because I'm in grace. Grace, according to Titus 2, empowers me and teaches me how to deny ungodly things and walk in holiness and righteousness. Why am I not getting no help on this? I need some people to understand God is not just sending Jesus to save us and put a band-aid on our mess. He's transforming us and making all things new my appetites have changed my desires have changed how I feel about my sin when I sin has changed I used to sin and thought I'm going to do some more sin so I can see how much I enjoy sin but now that Jesus has come into my heart when I sin I get sick about my sin I don't want my sin I hate my sin and I run back to Calvary and let him wash my sin and make me. I want to be right before God and when we come to worship on Sunday morning corporately there's something powerful happening among us and if you're right then you usually are able to enter into that corporate moment of worship and give God praise if your heart ain't right it may take some time for you to get under something called, we, we call conviction. Huh. How much time I? Okay, I got plenty of time. <laughs> conviction is when you feel that feeling in your soul that you ain't got all your ducks in a row. Conviction is to your soul what pain is to your body. It is an indicator that something is wrong. If you don't feel pain in your body, you can walk down the street barefoot, cut your foot on a jagged rock and bleed to death if you don't feel pain. And if you don't feel conviction, you can sin, sin, sin and get so far away from God and your heart get poisoned by iniquity till you can come to church and sit here and not feel him at all. And I'm telling you today, conviction is the greatest gift a sinner ever had if you're in here today and you've been sinning and you feel some kind of way and you got to oh and you got oh you just feel so bad and you feel so heavy and you know your mouth is out of control and you know your lust is out of control and you know your your physical flesh is out of control and you're just feeling all beat up and the devil putting shame on you I came to tell you that feeling is where we're going to start and God is going to use that feeling to get you in an altar and he's going to wash you and before you get in that car and head to the with Wiggly, he's gonna give you new life and forgive you of every sin and wash you and make you new today. When we come in here on Sunday and, and individually we're right, we can enter into corporate worship. When we're not right, it takes a moment. Conviction comes, we start repenting. Lord, cleanse me. Make me new. Wash me. I did it. I'm guilty. Forgive me, Lord. When's the last time you asked God to forgive you for some sins? Don't answer No, it's a rhetorical question. Well, I don't sin. You need to repent for being a liar. I didn't say that. John said it. He said, if you say you have no sin, you're lying. The truth ain't in you. So when we come into worship on Sundays, listen to me. Here's my point. My point is, you can't come into a worship service and get the most out of it if individually. And between you and God, you haven't gotten your heart right and worshiped him Monday through Saturday. Otherwise, it's a show. So I'm going to teach the rest of this message under the assumption that we're all coming to church with right hearts. (laughs) I am going to teach that way. I'm going going to teach under the assumption that we're all living right and we're all speaking holier and we're all living our best for Jesus. If that is the case, when we come to church, I want to talk about worshiping corporately in spirit and in truth. Is that okay? That was all the introduction and it's longer than the rest of the message, okay? When we come to church corporately, scripture is not Two things, it is not our enemy and it is not our ceiling. Write notes down, take it. It's not our enemy because some people say, see Scripture as an enemy to spirit worship. In other words, this is what I mean by that. Well, you know, y'all, y'all just so Bible-focused on your worship, and, and we believe in freedom of expression. You got to be careful you don't get so free you get unscriptural. Nadab and Abihu started a fire, but the Bible called it a strange fire. You just want to be careful that you don't start no flesh fire. Now, now let me say this. I I asked the Lord to give me grace to be so right down the middle today. I would rather have to calm people down than to resurrect Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones every Sunday. If I'm going to err, it will be on the side of excitement. Well, why would you err on the side of excitement? Because many people are erring on the side of death. And I believe that God is alive, and I'd rather have to put out wildfire than to have no fire. But I will put out wildfire. And and sometimes people just get excited. And sometimes people don't know. And then sometimes people go beyond excited and they make worship about them. I want to make sure everybody in here hears what I'm saying. Taking notes. If you're if you're if you're recording something, write this down. We did not come to see you. If you came to be seen, you missed the memo. And it don't even take people with the gift of discernment to know when it's happening. I've seen some people who've been saved a week who could look at something that was happening and say, that don't feel right. Well, there's a reason why I don't feel right. It ain't right. When we come to church, here's the most important thing you can do in your worship. Make sure the object of your worship is God. How do I know I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth, pastor? You know you're worshiping in spirit and in truth when you got the right audience. I want to make sure that we understand corporate worship is always about Jesus. It all points to him. It all goes back to Jesus. Our worship is not about us showing other people how we worship. Our worship as a church is not about our reputation as a worshiping church. I don't worship so that people say oh that's a worshiping church I want them to say that's a worshiping church when we don't even know they're looking and we're lost in an altar with tears coming down our face and hands lifted up and dancing bunions on the bottom of our feet because we can't help but tell them how much we love him worship in spirit and in truth this revolution Jesus started starts in the heart but something powerful happens when we come together in worship. Something powerful happens when you and I come together in this house and begin to worship God. And scripture and spirit do not conflict or collide when it comes to worship. Worshiping in spirit is as important as worshiping in truth. Worshiping in truth is as important in worshiping in the spirit. The two are not mutually exclusive. You can't do one without doing it in the other. This is truth. I don't know how long it was ago. I had a talk with, with Tobin and, and, and not because of anything. We just talk about the worship, about theology of worship. I get real nervous with all of the songs being written in worship land. And none of them have the name of Jesus. None of them have scriptures. All of them are about me. Devin gets more out with me. When she comes in my office at home and I'm studying, she goes, that is an 80s song. That is a 90s song. I say, yes, but I can't find one in 2021 that says it like that. There are some, I'm sure. We sang them this morning. I don't ever want us to make worship about a thing other than Jesus. I don't want worship to be what we call style. Do you know how many people couldn't worship this morning because the lights were on? (laughs) What are those? (laughs) Lights. And one of our light guys couldn't make it this morning and got sick so they had to turn the lights on and no one was there. To swirl us into the glory. What are you worshiping when you come to church? What did you come for? Open your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here, John, I will show you things which must take place. After this, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, I was in the spirit, I was in the what? The spirit and what did I see? A throne. Now read the rest of Revelation 4, not now, later. It talks about thundering, lightning, jasper, sardius stone, beautiful images, powerful images. It's it's not a Pepto-Bismol pink throne room with a picture of Jesus tattooed to the baptistry and a home interior picture in the lobby and mauve carpet with blue pews. And that's what the throne room looked like. There was flashes of lightning. There was rolls of thunder. There was color and rainbow and sardius stone. And somebody would say, "How distracting!" <laughs> all of these colors, all of these flashes, all of these lights on Sunday. All the twirling and the smoke—they're trying to reproduce the glory. How ignorant! I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it, but some of y'all said it, and it's crazy. How distracting. That's what I've heard people tell us. How distracting. Do you know how you can have a whole fourth chapter of Revelation talking about lights, thundering, lightning, colors, rainbows, a sea of glass, and no one's getting distracted? You know how? Because John wasn't in the flesh. John was in the spirit and the first thing he saw is the last thing he talked about the throne and the one sitting I feel like preaching right here when you come in this house in the spirit the first thing you see is the throne and the last thing you see before you leave I feel like preaching is the throne with the one sitting on it I did not come for the lights I did not come for the smoke I came for the one that's on the throne if I ever see him the rest doesn't even matter Slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor, get in the spirit. I'm so distracted. You're not distracted. You've got a micro idea of the lamb. If you ever see him on the throne, nothing else matters. The lights can break down. The music may not come through. But if I ever see the one that's on the throne, the last thing I know is that the one on the throne is the one that is the most important thing in the Three people tell them I didn't come for you, tell them I came for the man on the throne. Hey, I didn't come for your song, I didn't come for your special, I didn't come for your ad lib, I didn't come for your prophetics. I came for the one that is on the throne. Hey, distracted people are those who refuse to look at the one on the throne. I taught this several months ago. Remember those angels over in Isaiah chapter six? The Bible said they had six wings. With two, they flew. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they covered their eyes. Why would they cover their eyes? Because they did not want to become distracted. Because they're not flying for the people in the room. They're flying for the one who is holy, holy, holy. Get your eyes on him. And I'm gonna tell you how to do it and be better at it. Spend some time with him Monday through Friday. Oh yes, because if you will spend some time with him Monday through Saturday, you won't have to wait so long, wasting so much time trying to find him when you come in the building. In fact, worshipers know how to locate him. I'm getting ready to praise him right here. I said, worshipers learned how to locate him. It don't take me long to find him. In fact, I just have to pick up on the second verse. On Sunday morning of the same song I was singing all day long yesterday. I don't need nobody to sing me a song. I need you to get out of my way so I can find the one that is on worthy. I feel like calling him. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. is the Lord God Almighty who has it. I'm
1: going
0: to teach. I'm not doing this. I'm going to teach. Look at this here. Colossians 3. I'm going to give you some truth with the spirit and we're going home. Colossians 3. Verse 15, Chad read my mind. Never mind, I gave him the list earlier, watch. (laughs) Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful, next verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Don't miss what I'm getting ready to teach you. Teaching and admonishing one another. Wait a minute wait a minute, we're going to have some teaching today. The preacher going to get up and open up the Bible, and he's going to teach. That's wonderful. But when we start singing, lessons are being learned. Read the text. Teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When you start singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you literally start teaching lessons. The word admonish in the the Greek is very interesting. It means to help someone call to mind. Help them to remember. How many ever forgot something until somebody's like Pastor Tobin, Pastor Jojo Lacey, somebody up on, they started singing and they sang something that reminded you. It happened this morning for me. I've been dealing with some stuff. And, and, and sometimes you go through stuff and, you know, you're the pastor, you're supposed to be spiritual. And sometimes you've got to tell your soul to be quiet. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just walking in today and I'm thankful for all the goodness of God. And, and I got my praise on. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to preach. But on the inside, I just got a little bit, little bit of turbulence going on. And Lacey started singing. And she made me mad. She said, hush. I said, oh, okay. Hush. Sometimes when you get to singing a song, it'll convict you and it will teach you and remind you. Some of you forget the goodness of God until you start singing. Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. Ooh, come on. Get up off of that thing. Lord, you are good. Mercy endure me forever. Keeping it real. I am keeping it real. Sometimes you forget a song being sung by you teaches us and reminds us Of the truth of God's Word. Let me say something right now. Tobin, Jojo, Tori, Mateo, all y'all stand up. Where are the rest of the worship people at? Singers, who had a microphone? Stand up. Lacey, stand up, please. Who else? Don't lie, I'll come out there. Where y'all at? Okay. Y'all see these people standing? Okay, y'all sit down. Come back here. Listen to me very carefully. They we're not hired to do your singing yes. this is the disease in the 21st century church we come to a worship service and we watch people worship Jesus for us because God knows many people haven't had an encounter with him in the last 300 years and don't know how to worship him because they haven't found him Monday through Saturday I am calling this house out of a out of a consumerism approach to worship and I am telling you put on the garment of praise and get rid of a spirit of of heaviness you and I are not called to come into this house and to sit there like a bunch of mummies while people sing on a stage and help us praise the Lord nobody knows like you what God has done come, let, me shine. let me go up here I have a few minutes how do you know if it is carnal worship? Tests of worship. Corporate worship checkup thats what I put. Signs of carnal worship. Okay, here we go. This is not meant to praise, shame, or worship, shame anybody. I'm just putting it out there for you. If you can sing a lie, it's carnal worship. Here we go. I lift up my hands, and you're sitting there like this. You're singing a lie. Tori up here sweating and screaming, and when I move my body, when I move my feet, And if I were to come up and investigate and ask and interrogate, why, why don't you just move something? You would say this, you would say this, and I would too, because if, if, if I, I used to be locked up like that. I would say, that's just not my personality. But you let the Vols beat the Gators. You will shake the double wide. People will call the law on you and your house because you do get excited about some things. It's just you haven't figured out yet the power of getting excited about eternal things. And there are some people who would peek in on this service this morning. You might even be sitting in this congregation today thinking that we've lost our mind because we cry and we throw up our hands and we sing off pitch and out of tune and we dance and don't even have any rhythm. And you may say, that is just a bunch of excitement. Ding, you are right. Except that you are wrong in that understanding. We are excited about all the right things. I don't shout because I'm ignorant. I don't shout because of what I don't know, I shout because of what I do know, I know that the tomb is empty, I know that my sins are forgiven, I know that the blood has made a way, and because I know this I will bless the Lord Three people tell him, I know something. I know that he healed my children. I know that he touched my life. I know that the anointing breaks the yoke. I'm not shouting because of what I don't know. I'm shouting because of what I do know. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know Jesus is coming soon. And I know I'm ready to meet the Lord. Somebody give him 20 seconds to pray. Sing Psalms I'm closing Hymns And spiritual songs Look over here At Ephesians chapter 5 I'm closing with this one Ephesians 5 We always quote this scripture But let me show you the context We're talking about the Holy Ghost How many love the Holy Spirit? Be not Keep me there, Brian. Oh, no. I feel like singing and preaching on Sunday. Be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You better be careful. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you might look drunk. Oh, y'all don't like this one. But when the church was born in Acts chapter two, they were not confused because they looked sophisticated. They were confused because they looked like a bunch of drunk stumbling preachers who come up out of an upper room in the street. But the reason they looked drunk is because they were under an influence. It wasn't Budweiser, cause some of y'all can drink Bud, but you ain't getting any wiser. It was the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost fills your soul, Sometimes you forget about who's standing next to you and you don't worry about your mascara running. All you know is that you've been looking for joy and now he's satisfied the humble un- the hunger in your soul. The Bible said, Sing. Watch this, watch this. Be not drunk with his wine or his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Come on here speaking to one another in songs, yeah, spiritual songs, singing, making a melody. Let me help you understand something about making a melody. When you make a melody, your neighbor may not think it sounds good. <laughs> but they don't get to write your melody. If you ever start singing and got your eyes closed and open them long enough to peek at your neighbor, if they're looking at you like, (laughs) just look at them and say, Girl, you couldn't possibly understand why I'm singing off pitch. I'm just glad I'm not dead and I'm alive. I'm just thankful I'm still here. Yes, I sing off pitch, but at least I'm singing. Here's what I want to tell you. You can sing yourself into the Holy Ghost. Come on, Shia. This is why we need some people to start singing again. But I don't want to be in the choir. Too late, you came here. This, this is the choir. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought the choir was up on the stage last night. Oh no, that's a little ensemble. But the choir is every redeemed soul. I challenge you today, start singing. We're going to come into some tough times in America. Play it, Brian, I'm through. We're going to come into some challenging times in America. I believe God showed me some things. You're going to have to learn how to sing your way through. How many saints in here are over 70 years old? Lift your hands, 70 or older. Come on, don't die. Don't it's a badge of honor. See, some of these saints here, they taught us something. I'll never forget growing up in that little holiness church I was raised in. Brother Pat and sister, brother Tommy and sister Pat, married. Her hair touched the ground when she took it out of a bun. She played the harmonica, the maracas, and the tambourine all at the same time. she had a head mount for the harmonica and she shook those maracas and tambourines on opposite beats and when she got under the anointing it looked like cousin it playing a harmonica (laughs) she might be here today brother tommy was singing one night something got a hold of me He says, something got a hold of me singing. I'll never forget it. Something got a hold of me. I went there to fight, but oh my, that night, something got a hold of me. In the middle of singing that, his teeth flew out. This is a true story. He threw his teeth back in his mouth and kept right on singing. Tim Ashley, you know I'm telling the truth. I'd be 15 years old. i go to church on Sunday night at 5 30 every Sunday night. I right, go to church 30 minutes early on Sunday night to get in the prayer room, prayer room with the brothers. And we go in there, and I'm 15 years old, the rest of them 90 years old. And they sit there and rock. Start out like this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for my family, Lord. Thank. And ten minutes into that, I'm sitting there rocking, fifteen years old. I don't have a job or a family. I'm trying to get saved again. Ten minutes into that, they'd keep on rocking and they'd start singing a song. Until then. My heart will go on singing Until then With joy I'll carry on Until the day My eyes behold that city Until the day God calls me home, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows It's the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood that gives me strength. From
1: day to day, it will never
0: lose its power. champion Giants fall when you stand undefeated every battle you've won I am who you say I am and you crown me with confidence I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one I just want to tell you, keep your song. I was walking through something this past week, and this song, literally, I have not sung this song in years, maybe over a year. I just remember Sister Gail used to sing it. I was going through something, I said, I got one more river to cross, one more mountain to climb. I've got one more battle that I gotta go through, leaving my troubles behind. I've got one more battle with the devil, and I know he'll understand that I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah, holding to his nail scarred hand. I know some of you that ain't in that, that ain't, that ain't on YouTube, but it's in my spirit this morning. Because I'm going to tell you, some of you getting ready to come through. And if you'll just get you a song, one little song, one little tune in your belly. Stand with me. I'm through preaching. Ah. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. God. Lift your hands and worship God. Come on. We give Him praise. Thank God for the work of His Spirit. Let's lift our hands and just begin to worship Him all over this room right now. With verbs and with words of adoration and worship, we give you praise this morning, Abba. Father, without lyrics on a screen, our hearts are filled with melodies, melodies of thanks, melodies of worship, melodies of praise. I pray a loosing on the tongue of this house, a loosing on every person in this place. Father, I thank you that you are creating, (laughs) you are creating a sound of worship out of this room that brings you great glory. I pray that you will bring people from the streets of this city who will find you in this altar and become part of this sound. I pray right now that this house will be filled with people who have walked with you for decades and years. But I pray it would be filled with sounds of worshipers who got saved last Sunday. I pray that the sound of worship would be so huge in this house true, spiritual worship, Jesus centered worship, Jesus centered worship. Jesus centered worship. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Holy God of our salvation. Woo! We worship you, Lord. Come on, we're not going to wait till next Sunday to try this sermon out. Somebody do it right now. We worship you, Lord. We bring you the fruit of our lips hebrews 13 15 the fruit of our lips even praise to our god we worship you lord come on what if we just had two minutes left what if we just had two minutes left in this worship service what would we do for the last two minutes why don't you do it right now my god the king is in the room the king of glory is in the room We worship you, Jesus, Son of the living God. I want you to make a melody in your heart and sing to the King this morning. We worship you, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We worship you. Oh, baby, you got to close your eyes to get back before the audience of one. You've got 60 more seconds left. Just pour your praise on it. Pour your worship on Jesus. He don't have to give us one more thing. He don't have to do one more miracle. We just want to tell you we love you, Lord. We just want to tell you we love you, Lord. (laughs) Oh, we praise you, God. Oh, we praise you, God. Hallelujah. I worship you. (laughs) We worship you. We thank you for putting a song in our mouths, a new song. Many shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, Maradahiro Bosokanda Dabashoto Marandiaramasaya. Oh, I worship you this morning. just want to be with you. If you got to go get your children, we understand, we love you. But everybody stay and just sing that song to him. Feel this place, God. Somebody's getting their song back this morning. Somebody's getting their tune back today. Come on, worshipers, sing it to him. Never again will somebody sing my song for me. Sing that song. We will sing. For some of you, it's just one hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. That's all it takes. Oh, it's a spiritual song. We will sing. Come on, that's what we're gonna do for eternity. Let's do it now. Sing hallelujah.
1: Oh, we will sing, we will sing.
0: I feel chains breaking while you sing. So we'll dance in Your presence, till. We will I'm going to give you the second opportunity to leave if you need to. There's no shame if you got to go. I'm just not through singing yet. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation His empire shall bring. Joy to the nations when Jesus is King. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. <laughs> Lift up a song of praise. With voices raised, to Jesus, to Jesus. Jesus sing to the Lord. King. Come, let us sing a song. A song of we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. He's all we need. And live. That's how it goes. Sing to to the the King. Come, let us sing. Come on. Come, let us sing a song. A song
1: declaring we
0: belong to Jesus. And He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised. If you'll sing it one time, it'll set somebody free. Come on. Come, on, let us sing a song, a
1: song that we belong to Jesus. He's, He's all we He's need. He's all we need. Somebody lift. lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with
0: voices We're raised. Voices to Jesus, sing to the We're going home in just a minute. but (laughs) he's a good God I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell your neighbor neighbor from this Sunday forward you and I are going to join the sound of worship being given to the king and tell him bad week good week, whatever kind of week. He's worthy and we're going to give him worship. We're not through talking yet. Look at him one more time and say, neighbor, I expect you because you usually sit beside me. I expect you to sing every Sunday to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Tell them we're going to do it next Sunday. Same time, same place, same God. And we're going to do it right now. I love you. But we're going to sing
1: it one more time. Two, three, come on.
0: Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I want to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, he is only one prayer way. Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin, and make me new. I... I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We wanna make sure you have a Bible. We wanna make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area, and if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.